Hello. Welcome to the podcasters podcast. You, you didn't have to. <laughs> it was a rhetorical high. Uh, in today's episode, we're going to talk about the elements of podcasting you can't outsource. Um, one of those elements is the video software you use when recording. Oh, yeah. 100%. What do you use? I use Riverside.fm. Shit. Me too. <laughs> Why do you use it? They pay me. <laughs> so There's so many time. episodes you can make the same joke. Um, Go on, name me one feature. And while you're doing it, I'm going to Google them and find another feature. Another feature? Yeah. Listen, it doesn't matter about all the, the features they can do, right? Fine. The fact it can create video cuts for you. Amazing. The fact that it can transcribe things for you. Amazing. The fact that you can use it as a teleprompter while she records solo episodes. Fantastic. The main reason you're using it is it's cheaper than its competitors and it gets the best video from it. Most competitors, Zoom, I don't know if we're allowed to do this. Zoom is more expensive and worse, right? <laughs> and when you click export on Zoom, you're, it looks like it's filmed on a potato. Just really jarring is during the call, it looks fine. And then after, it's the like, way. yeah, whereas when we were interviewing Courtney recently, she had bad internet. So it looked really fuzzy on our screen in front of us. And then the export was like, 4K was amazing. Yeah. So I was like, I know which one I'd rather have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the clips do much better. And something like a lot of people don't realize is because there's so many millions of hours of video uploaded to social media every day, the algorithms look out for bad audio and bad video and you will get worse quality. If you export the same video, one in 4K and one in 720p, the 4K one will perform better. So if you're doing all these virtual interviews and getting great guests, and by the way, a lot of the great guests will want to do it virtually because mm -hmm. they've got busy diaries, you're going to maximize the clips that you get out of it because it's high quality. Yeah, 100%. If you want to use Riverside, there's a link down below. Use Podcast 15 for 15% off. That's Podcast with a capital P. Cool. Um, actually, on that point, now we've done the ad read, it can be kind of part of the content. It doesn't just sound like a three-minute long ad read. Um, you're talking about virtual interviews. I've just reached out to someone I came across on LinkedIn had a very relatively new LinkedIn profile um, about being a guest on the podcaster's podcast I've he hasn't replied yet I've done it this morning but just in case he does appear in the next 10 episodes this is where it's come from the uh, creative director for Mr. Beast who has been in that position for three months having left the sidemen oh shit so that'd Mr. be a great episode yeah yeah we'll have to hope he replies uh, <laughs> should we find out where he lives um, London no, no, address. Uh, but okay. <laughs> right. Should we hire a private investigator and document it on the show? Right, I feel like we're going off. Niche. No, no, you know, no. You know what we talk about, about being niche? I was like, this is about podcasting. Occasionally we stalk uh, uh, people. Uh, uh, no, no, I know people do this. Private investigator, find out where someone lives and they send them a handwritten letter to ask them to come on your podcast. When is the last time you threw a handwritten letter in the bin without opening it? Um, when was the last time you received a handwritten letter? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, the, uh, my only letters are usually from HMRC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should move to a tax haven. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Podcast is podcast, coming to you from the bar. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what are we talk about? Oh, things you can't outsource. Right. So this is one. It's, I would say you can't to start with, but you can work up to it, which is what you've just said, which is guest sourcing. I genuinely believe when you start off, you should be solely responsible for getting guests. One, because it's hard for somebody to replicate your tone of voice and messages and things like that, even when written. And you will get a better response when it becomes sort of authentic. It seems authentic and it's coming from you. But I think it's really important that you have that editorial control over who's coming on to start with. 
and you're really, really particular with who that is. And then as you get bigger and you've got you know more episodes and you've had some bigger guests and it's easier to get yeses from people and there's sort of a track record of who you've had and so it's quite easy if somebody looks through sort of those messages and looks through what who you've had the kind of people you want to go after at that point fine you might hire somebody who's like a guest booker like joe rogan's got he's a company of three him his producer jamie who does all of his posting editing production and his guest booker i don't know their name um also uh, what Boring job if it's the only thing you do. What? Five, every day of the week. Message guests. I don't know, mate. For Joe Rogan. Oh, I'm sure it pays a lot, but I mean... Yeah, but to imagine fair, the people he probably he's gets, speaking to. I was going to say, I bet he gets some pretty cool Have you seen the behind the scenes of their... Um, where he films? Mate, it's no. got like a massive snooker hall in it. It's got a firing range. It's got like... It's, I've, ch- I've changed my stance. Is he hiring? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll get the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get- Sure. Do you know what? I might learn to edit just to be another producer. You don't have to pay me, Joe. I just want to be here. But um, yeah, he's just having a good time with the boys. (laughs) Well, I can imagine being, let me rephrase it then. It must be awful to be a guest sourcer for one of those absolute wackos with way too much money who thinks they're somebody and they're not. Um, So you're reaching out to all these guests and get rejected all the time because they're irrelevant. You've been Um, single, mate. You're used to it. (laughs) What, you haven't? (laughs) Never. Cool. Um, podcasting. I I think that's one. I think start off doing that yourself, and then Mm. eventually, fine, you might want to hire somebody. And then to expand on that, and this is something Rob's talked about a few times, is the relationship after the recording. You can't then send it, even if you use a VA to get them there. Don't send it back to your VA and send someone else messages them after. You you've got the opportunity to have a relationship with potentially a very big name in your space, and that's one of those massive benefits of podcasts that people underestimate, and that's something you can't outsource the relationship, right? So. If you've got the hard work to get them in the room, make the most out of it and build a relationship with this person. People find business partners, investors, people to buy their products just as guests. Oh, 100%. And let me add to mine because, so anyone who works with us, so we've got over 100 shows we work with currently and they're all on our hosting site, which means our main email is linked to a lot of these shows. So when people try and pitch these shows, like, you know, for potential guests or, or collaborations or whatever, a lot of the time it ends up coming to our email inbox and they're so generic. It's like, hello there, love the show. <laughs> oh, don't. It, the, the, the love the show ones do my head in. I got LinkedIn DM the other day. Love the show. I didn't even read the rest of the paragraph. I was like, you're um, lying. Immediately I always respond back saying, what's your favorite episode? And just address nothing else and you never get a response. So outsourcing, normally when you're paying somebody, especially on the cheap, like a VA, they're not, you, you're going to get what you pay for. So that's one. Park that. What have you got? The content is the most obvious one, but I still have conversations with people who say, I want this podcast. I just need to find a host. No, my dude, you're the host. Like, you're not going to build a, a podcast that generates you income and people pay for your coaching and the host is a paid actor. Yeah. <laughs> like, the biggest thing with podcasts is people buying into the host and what they have to offer and their content, not buying into the company that produces the podcast. And that's the other reason why you the host is a name rather than the company usually. I mean, we say that ours is hosted by Progressive Media, but we wouldn't be the Progressive Media podcast, for no, example. No, no, of course not. And people fall into that trap. So I need to name the podcast stuff my company. It's like, no. People yeah, buy into... the most obscure company name. Yeah, yeah, like, and it means nothing. And it's like, oh, the squarebollocks.com. It's like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> so, I don't, I don't, what does that mean? <laughs> Where does that come from? <laughs> I have no idea. No, I, th- I think you're right. And again, as you get bigger and you've been doing it longer you will have members of your team that can help give you suggestions. 
But I think starting off, you need to have complete editorial control of your podcast and you know what to talk about. Again, if you're like a coach for some niche industry, you will know what are the frequently asked questions you get. Do episodes on that. You will know who are the important people in your industry. Interview those people. You'll know what are the main problems and pain points that that people suffer with. That's your early content. And it should be all about that. You shouldn't be outsourcing what content I should be recording. You shouldn't be finding another host for it. It's it's never good. And those, I mean, we really only talk to independent creators, but if there happens to be anyone listening who's in the marketing department of some big faceless corporation, what a ridiculous idea to hire some out like some outsourcer host because you're building all of your brand around this person and then what happens if they go, I'm not going to do this anymore? And you yeah, spent yeah, all yeah. this money building up their brand for one, but two, then you're if, as soon as they don't want to do it anymore, you're you've just got a massive hole in your content. What you're gonna do two hundred episodes in just replace the host? Yeah, nobody's gonna carry on listening to that. Hundred percent. Now there is someone who half does this and they do it well, in the sense that they host their podcast, but they host it with someone who is a paid paid to just be the co-host. And they essentially ask the questions. Now, I know Ian Garzi does that, but listener of the show, Moto Matt, has a co-host on this podcast who is at there as just a co-host, essentially. Mo- Matt is the face of the podcast. He's the one delivering all the content, but he's essentially there to bounce off of. I think nice. that's quite a unique idea if you're a big authority in your space and you struggle to just talk down the camera, if you like. That's maybe something people could look mm, at doing. That's good. I mean, that's why you're here. No, I'm here for the funny stuff. Yeah, we do like to laugh at you. It's it's funny looking. Making money. Ah, you can't outsource that. Well, yeah. Nobody's going to care about you making a pound more than you are. Do you know what I mean? You can... We always say this to people. Is for anyone who's a client of ours, we negotiate their sponsorship deals because at the end of the day, we know what sponsors are looking for. We have data from other clients. It isn't just yours that have had sponsors that we can use to back up why we're asking for quite a lot of cash. And our clients keep 100% of it. That's great. But I'm not sending off the initial 500 emails. Because the thing is, I also don't know who's relevant in your industry. You know, we've had a lot of companies approach us. So, for example, um, Muscle Foods, which I've actually used before, found me on TikTok and was like, what do you do? Like, do you, do you run an agency? It's like, yes. It's like, good. We're looking to sponsor podcasts this year. Like, can, can I just give you a lot of money and you just distribute it amongst clients that make sense? So yeah. And then I spoke to a couple of clients. They're like, yes, I'd be interested in something. They'd be like, no, I'm not interested. So it's like the initial bit of finding brands that align with you. And also within all these different niches as well, there's like different types of politics. Like, um, like a really big example is Bud Light recently got into loads of heat in America because apparently they were becoming too woke and that isn't who their audience was. So then a lot of um, a lot of people boycotted the brand because they were like, "Oh, this is f- kind of it was like a, it's like a frat guy beer," and it was like clearly a demographic, and they were under some sort of pressure from investors. So then they did like they um, sponsored like a pride event and things like this and whatever. American politics is a bit beyond me, but. Unless you are really in like the alcoholic beverage industry, right? For example, I might not know that whole politics is going on. You might spend loads of time trying to find a sponsorship deal 
And they might say yes. And you'd be like, I would never work with that company. Right. So nobody's going to care about that as much as you like that's your sponsorship. Right. So you need to send off those early messages. Listen to our sponsorship episodes if you're not sure how to start that conversation. You need to build the list of companies that you want to work with and you need to speak to them. Do you know what? Adding on to that, because I have kind of tried to go from start to finish with people with the, with the sponsorship and I've found the messages is fine. I will never know someone's niche as well as they do. You always need that support in the right. I know what types of companies will make for a great sponsor, but I don't know the companies in that space that fit that demographic. So I can go there like, cool, let me Google a couple of things. And then the first couple of results on Google, and I'm like, I'm lost now. Yeah. So, and the first ones that come up on Google are never going to be the ones to sponsor. Yeah. Do yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, if you've got fitness Unless you're show, very, very like very specific particular. search. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're in like nutrition, fitness, and it's like Gymshark, Nike and Adidas, oh yeah, I'm sure they'll sponsor this show with 5,000 listeners. But that's a sponsorship example. What's the, what's the other one, right? So then you've got things like um, a product or service. For example, we will work with clients to go, well, listen, we've, got, we've worked with other people that are in a similar space. Here's a course they created. Here's a membership site. Here's a offering they made. But realistically, you're the one that needs to go and create that product or service. Like, we've got a three-day training all about starting, scaling, monetizing a podcast from you know beginner or even if you know you're early on but you're not making any money yet just just message us if you want to buy it but <laughs> do you know what I mean? you, great pitch mate yeah, to be yeah. fair i reckon you get some card details <laughs> by listening to this it automatically charges your car <laughs> yes <laughs> don't because there's people like oh probably believe that well fair um but nobody you can outsource creating that because nobody has that same knowledge it's like for example any of our clients i wouldn't be able to go build them a three-day course because i don't know what's in your brain but you need to build that. If you outsource titles and show notes, editing, repurposing, social media, that is a commoditized thing. There are tens of millions, or maybe even hundreds of millions that are videographers, editors, social media managers, thumbnail designers, right? There's loads of people to choose from. We're the best. Pay us. Join us. Um, or our training. Or buy some shit from our sponsors. Well, at least we haven't got too many contacts <laughs> in one episode. Share the show, leave a review. I was recently told, by recently, I mean two hours ago, that our um, sponsorship reads were fucking horrendous. And I took it as such a compliment. Yeah, good. <laughs> but they remembered them. Yeah, right? exactly. But the, what I'm saying is those things that people normally get bogged down with when it comes to having a podcast, it's all the technical stuff and the creative stuff. So that's the thing that's actually easiest to outsource. And not only that, that's the most important thing. Because if your content's crap, I'm going to think all of your products and services are crap. Like if it's a really bad edit and it's bad audio and it's janky and it looks budget and it's filmed on a potato, it's like, I'm not going to buy your coaching. But if you outsource that bit and spend all that extra time creating a three-day course or a, a, whatever it is, like a product or service that's related to your audience, it's the same amount of time spent but only you can take care of the bit that makes the money. And a lot of people are like, oh, I've been podcasting for two years. Why have I not made any money? Because like, you're spending all the time cre- like editing the content and none of the time building something that people actually want. It took seven days for this podcast for us to get a client. I had you know, no social media at the time. Our podcast was okay-ish, but nowhere near to the standard it is, is now, which is saying something, right? Like that, uh, I'm going to take that as a compliment. Yeah, it's all you, mate. Thanks, mate. And um, seven days for somebody to join the agency, but you could spend that time marketing the podcast, creating more episodes, putting loads of volume out there, but also creating our agency packages and a product that is genuinely good. I, I genuinely think it is very, very strong. 
but that wouldn't have happened if you spend all the time on bullshit like production and editing and things like that and it's just fine like i get it that might sound like a bit of a pitch we have that service and of course we want our listeners to use it but it's true there are certain things you can outsource certain things you can't and if you can outsource it get rid of it if you're not making money from podcasting right now it's like that's why do you know what's jarring is the people who like do all their own editing but then it's like i'm gonna get ai to make my course yeah let me outsource the thing that makes me money and do the thing that someone could do better than me yeah that makes no sense yeah, that's crazy. The other thing, and I thought of what I was trying to think of earlier, is community. Mm. Now, there's elements of community you can outsource, but by community, I mean just communication with your audience in general, right? We often have conversations with our audience. We've had people DM us on LinkedIn, LinkedIn, on LinkedIn, and then fly over to attend one of our um, discovery days or summits, whatever it is. So we have a lot of communication with our listeners. And through that, I get feedback all the time on our episodes, which ones are good. We have our own community where people... First of all, we've recently uploaded two Q&A episodes. First, the second one went live today and is doing well, but the first one smashed it. And everyone in the community was messaging today to be like, oh, thanks for asking my question. Like that authentic side of speaking with our community is great. Speaking with people we've never spoken to before that listen to our podcast. This isn't something we can outsource and just get a VA to reply to them because they just want to speak to the, the person they've been listening to and then they'll be able to tell if it's a message from them really or not. Just you, it's weird. You can, tell, you can listen to someone and get a message from them and you can tell if it's them or not mm. based on the way they talk in real life because everyone kind of messages. Well, you're not going to, won't call them out, but you said that about um, actually a friend of the, the podcast, somebody who listens to the show. It's like, you thought they had a, a social media manager yes. on LinkedIn because like, that does not sound like them at all. Yeah, yeah, it, 100%. You can, you kind of get a feeling when someone does, doesn't sound like yeah. them. Community's a really good one because this is something I say, like, having like a, a paid or free community, whatever, is so good because your name's on the door and if you've, any of the listeners, if you're part of like a WhatsApp group or a Facebook group, like, you might have seen it. Somebody asks a question and somebody who isn't the owner of that group responds to it. It's like, oh, I'm getting so much value from this community. And you attribute that to whoever runs it and whoever's name's on the door. But they might not be the one responding to the questions. That's the upside. The downside is when it's new, You've you got have to put to that effort in. in it. Yeah. You, know, you have to be probing conversations, asking people, asking people, responding to them. It's nonstop and it's a slog. And often you are the value proposition of a community yeah. startup. So it's not loads of people in there. It's, ah, oh, getting that one-to-one time with my favorite creator or exactly. someone who I see as a leader in a space, right? That, yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. Community is true. So you can get community managers that, you know, keep out the spam, you know, put in admin, delete, shit, you know, whatever. But realistically, it's you. And we try and respond to every comment, every review, you know, any DM, like, as much as you can, you know, if somebody shares something on the story, we'll reshare it, right? That stuff's really important to build that community because that's what gets people to share the content, keeps coming back. And to be honest, just focus. And that's the fun stuff. Community's fun. Creating the content's fun. Making money is fun. Focus on those things because one, nobody else can do it. Two, if that's the only, if that, they're the only bits that you're doing, you stick to it longer because it's way more enjoyable. Mm. So, Community, content, guest sourcing, and making money are the four things you can't really outsource and that you should be doing yourself, especially from the start. Awesome. There's another episode in the bag. Till next time. Adios.